I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Cool Button Hockey Podcast, Season 2, Episode 2, 84 overall is underway. Craig, it's a small sample size, small sample size, but it's been a good start to the season. Connor McDavid with a big night on Wednesday. However, there was a missed call. Human elements or eye in the sky? Is it too early to fix these issues? Or do we just say, because the NFL is having some uh, mini controversies on making some clutch calls. Is this the big story so far, or do you say, humbug, it's the human element, Stevie boy? It's the total human element, Stevie boy. And let me just, we're going to start the season. McDavid scores a hat-trick. Dreisaitl is brilliant. Pasternak gets four points. He's brilliant. Great finish with Anaheim in Seattle. A missed call. Get used to it. There's going to be missed calls. And the bottom line is we're not going to eliminate them, except it be done and over with. Well, let me just see. Vancouver, eight power plays, three-nothing lead. You know what? And we're going to take it down to a missed call. Give me a break. Go cry in your morning cereal, whoever you are and whoever you want to do it. I've said it. I'm going to say it right here. Stop. Our officiating is the, is the best. It's great. That doesn't mean it's perfect. And we're never going to get perfect. End of story. Now let's go to Edmonton since you started there, okay? That's the way the Vancouver Canucks have to play. They don't have a chance to play back on their heels in defensive posture. They got to go after it. They got to play on their toes. They got to play forward. I thought Vancouver did a terrific, terrific job of doing that. But when you're up against the likes of McDavid and Dreisaitl, we've seen it. They can take a game over and they can switch it in their team's favor so brilliantly. That's what they did. So I like the way Vancouver played. I think that's the way they have to play. And Jack Campbell, he was outstanding last night for the, for the Edmonton Oilers. Down 3 nothing. he never let that fourth goal in. Never let the fourth goal in. And Vancouver had lots of chances to expand that lead. Never did. Big marks to the Edmonton Oilers on opening night. And I like the way Vancouver played. Yeah, maybe we could more so point to the Elias Pettersson giveaway that led to the dry sidle to nurse shorthanded goal you know they did have eight what power the, plays what about the dylan holloway giveaway so we're going to talk about giveaways i'm saying the oilers overcame theirs and the canucks in this situation didn't i thought 
the bypass Euler power play that McDavid finished was an absolute thing of beauty. Winning the draw, back to the point, into Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but a boom, but a bing over McDavid. Boy, oh boy, when you see stuff like that, Craig, notwithstanding, you know, the Dreisaitl goal was the one that got them back in the game when Hughes was all bloodied up. You give the Oilers an opportunity, like it feels they needed to have a playoff year like they did last year to kind of start climbing. Then they lost to Colorado, a better team. But right now it feels different. And I'd like to see them back in the copper and blue. <laughs> what took them so long to get back to the Gretzky, Tekin, and Messier? So were they waiting for McDavid's eighth year? I guess they were. Anyway, I love those at home. I think they look great. And that power play, if you didn't see that, folks, Go back and look at that play. What a thing of beauty. That's modern hockey, Mr. Button, at its best. Oh, I love well, it. Yeah, quickness, you know, you know, uh, small area plays, you know, the, the brilliant talent. I, I, I will say this, too. The Toronto Maple Leafs have really done a good job helping build the Edmonton Oilers. Because Zach Hyman, again, was instrumental. He, was in, he doesn't get a point on that power play goal, but he's the one that made the first pass to Ryan Nugent Hopkins. On the winning goal, he's the one that drove the puck into the zone and then was able, once Connor McDavid got it, he did the rest of it. And then Jack Campbell. The Leafs are, the Leafs are doing a good job building a Stanley Cup team in, uh, in Edmonton. They're doing a heck of a job out there. Ken Holland, two great Toronto Maple Leafs additions. I really, I really think the team is, it was much improved with Hyman and it's much improved with uh, Jack Campbell. They also have Tyson Berry, although he didn't do as well with the Leafs as I think he is doing as uh, a member of the Oilers right now. So we have a small sample size, right? We play basically a week. So why were the Leafs so weak? Why, why did they, I don't want to say cliche, take Montreal lightly. I saw your stuff on TSN. I was thinking the same thing. Montreal is the 30th best team probably in the NHL. You start playing too many games like that moving forward. It's only one of 82, but you have a chance to make a statement. You have a chance to put up a five spot. You have a chance to have a good week. But something about Montreal, whether they're good or bad, and Toronto, I don't know if it's kryptonite or not, but how do you explain the sloppiness, as Sheldon Keefe said? It was just, they were not very, like, I understand a bad period, half a game. They still had the point on their stick. And Justin Hall and Jake Muzzin did everything they could to make sure the game didn't go to overtime. It was just a a comedy of errors for Toronto, Craig. How do you explain that? Well, here's what I would say, and and I've said this. So so we know the Toronto Maple Leafs have a very good team. And, you know, what they did last year. So so they lose. They lose in game seven. And all we've heard, hey, we can't worry about the playoffs. We just got to do the right things. We got to do – we got to have our process in place. And – we got to do the things that will help us win. And if we do them, you know, we'll have success. Okay, well, they're words. Tell you what the action said last night. Good luck if you want to play like that. Shelly Keefe said they wouldn't have beat any team in the league playing like that. I agree with them. You know, when you start to consider that at good, good teams, they take control of a game and, and, and they don't let the other team rest control of it away. You know, it's one thing when you're playing a good team and there's going to be a back and forth and they're capable and everything. The Toronto Maple Leafs, because they were so bloody sloppy, and the Montreal Canadiens, because they're ready to take advantage of sloppy under Marty St. Louis, that's how the game unfolded. So the Toronto Maple Leafs won it both ways. 
They want it like, oh, we can't look ahead to the playoffs. That's too far away. We got an 82-game season. Oh, but it's only game one. Really? Okay. So get your process in order, not in order. And I'll tell you what, that's the way you want to play. You want to play loose. Steve, that defense, in my view, is not good enough to contend for a Stanley Cup. That's where Kyle Dubas has to focus his efforts this year. On the blue line, improving it with personnel. Period. If they don't, they might find the same, same outcome come playoff time. And it very well might happen in the first round. Well, clearly an upgrade at least has to be in the Justin Hall position. I, I think that's something that's been talked about for a while. He made most of his moves after the discount from Giordano to come back home with forwards. Now, you have until the deadline to make a move. Is there anyone that you've already circled? Is, 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 it, is it pipe dream for a, a Jacob Chikrin? Like, who, who do you like at that position? Or do you think how a certain teams kind of fall out of the picture? There's other players that might come to mind because clearly, you know, an upgrade in the three, four spot that might move Muzzin down. I'm not sure what you think, or you've got someone in mind. I mean, we played one game and it was not a resume game for, I actually thought Muzzin was having a pretty good game. I thought Justin Hall struggled right after the national anthem. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to get into names right now, but I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Okay. Josh Manson was acquired by the Colorado Avalanche last year. Big, important player for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. But number four defenseman, right? Number four defenseman, you say, right? Maybe a number five, because you don't forget you got Eric Johnson there, right? And you got McCarr, who's clearly the, the, the number one on the right side, right? So, like, significant upgrade. Significant upgrade for the Colorado Avalanche. Other teams could have had him. I'm, I'm not saying they would have got him. But you could have been right there. Oh, let me see. The San Jose Sharks, all kinds of cap problems. And now they got to shed some salary. Oh, Brett Burns becomes available. Oh, and the San Jose Sharks are going to pick up salary. Carolina Hurricanes, aren't they similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs? No, they aren't. They've won playoff rounds. Toronto Maple Leafs haven't. And so what do they do? What does Donnie Waddell do? He goes and says, what an opportunity here. 5.28 million. It's a cap hit for Brent Burns the next three years. And I don't have any doubt he can play. You know what? It's about going and being precise and looking at where you can improve your team and how you can improve it. So the Carolina Hurricanes are improved with, with Brent Burns. We're not talking $10 million here. We're talking the, the dollar figure came in at 5.280. I believe that that's the number on the cap hit. Well, you know what? Figure out how you improve a significant area of your team for success. Kyle Dubas hasn't done it yet. Hasn't done it yet. Hasn't done it yet. Yes. Well, if, if he we'll doesn't, get into names as the, as the year goes on. Hasn't done it yet. And if he doesn't, I'm telling you, they're going to have a very similar fate come playoff time. Well, then if he doesn't and they do lose again, I mean, he's sitting as a lame duck general manager he understands that people would agree so it's it's showtime and you're talking oh. about donnie waddell i mean as we sit here right now and not just because carolina controlled columbus boston controlled washington colorado controlled chicago a lesser team like they didn't let him off the mat given an opportunity their power play was was dominant even toronto had a chance late in the game 
with their number one power play, so to speak, and it let them down, had a chance to get them two points. Instead, they got none. Is Carolina this good in your mind with Burns and when Pacioretty returns and, and Freddie healthy to like, as we sit here, are they your number one in the East? Are they an elite tier one cup contender? Can they win 16 playoff games as they're built? Yes, they can. I think that Donnie Waddell recognized where they needed to strengthen their team. They needed a little more, they needed more size. So Patchy Reddy and Burns absolutely do that. And so Patchy Reddy takes some of the heat. He's a, he's a one strike score. He, he, he can, he can light it up, uh, you know, with one chance. So that takes pressure off your other offensive players. It gives you more weapons. And then Brett Burns on the blue line is, is a player. He's a catalyst. He's a catalyst makes things happen. You know what? He's not like, we're not talking about perfect players here, but we're talking about a player that takes the initiative and the way the Carolina hurricanes play I think Brett Burns is the perfect fit there, you know? So let's keep in mind, you know, they've had some pretty good playoff, like pretty good playoff runs, you know, losing last year in in game seven, right? You know, but they, but they won their first round series, (laughs) right? The year before they won a a playoff series before losing against the Stanley cup, eventual Stanley cup champion, Tampa Bay lightning. Yes. I put them in that top category. Call them one, a one, a, I have the Rangers in there too. And you know what? The Leafs can't get there. In my view, I like their team. They can't get there until they get that defense better. And I said, Josh Matson, we're not talking, I'm not talking about a number one defenseman. I'm not talking about, and Jacob Chikrin, you know, bottom line, 24-year-old defenseman, good salary, you know, bottom line is what you got. You talk about like, you know, what you got? What you got? Because it, it 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 it's great. The process was terrible last night for the Leafs. They, they they wouldn't have beat any team like playing like that, and they didn't beat Montreal. They're not going to beat good teams with that blue line. They're not. Well, let, let's stay on the blue line conversation because I think Ryan McDonough in Nashville really slots their defense nicely, doesn't it? Like, really puts them in a nice spot. And Forsberg, Niederreiter, in I'm. Not, not because it was San Jose. I just McDonough in as, you know, the 3-4. You know, they got some, some big-name players on their blue line. Now, Tampa is playing the Rangers on opening night, and we're not trying to overreact or underreact, but we know we like 98 and Sergachev. We like Victor Hedman, and we like Eric Chernak. Now they've got to play Flurry. Bogosian's still out of the lineup. they got to play foot. Where's your level of concern until a trade deadline possible move, they lost Ruda, lost McDonough. This is not the same Lightning blue line. So if we look at blue lines, do you believe that this will be an issue in the regular season? Will they have to do the same thing to upgrade their blue line once we get to the deadline? I, I thought there were times the youngsters struggled against the Ranger attack four lines. That's okay. They got the youngsters. Their top three are Chernick, McDonough, and Sergachev. The Maple Leafs don't have a three like that. <laughs> they don't. So, like, you know what? I, like, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and, and you can talk about Cal Foot. They have Philip Myers there. You know, Bogosian's going to come back from injury. You know, you talk about uh, Hayden Fleury, right? Bottom line is, I don't have the, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning in that top group. I don't. 
You can't lose McDonough and Ruda and Palat and Goodrow and Gord and Coleman. You can't lose six players that have that type of impact and that type of contribution to your team and expect to be at the same level. That's just the reality. They have to pay Vasilevsky. They have to pay Sergachev. Well, guess what? Other players go out. That's where the depth hurts them. Toronto Maple Leafs, they're five top forwards. I got no issues there. I got no issues to bottom line. We'll go right back to the blue line. And the, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, great coach. Great goaltending. That we talk about the three defensemen. The forwards are good. You get, get against good teams. You got the depth. You got the, you got the ability to push a game in your favor. That's falling off. We get to the trade deadline. Lots change. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. They added Nick Paul. They added uh, Brandon Hagel. Manson. Lekkinen. Cogliano came over to the Colorado Avalanche last year at the deadline. So we know the team strengthened themselves. Toffoli went over to Calgary. Let's just wait and see. But right today, no, I don't have I don't have Tampa Bay in the in the New York Ranger Carolina category of play. Do I think they're a really good team that could push themselves there? Of course. Not at the not in the they're not in the upper floors of Stanley Cup contenders. Are they a contender? Yes. Not at the upper floors. Well, I mean, the pinnacle of defenses in the NHL is that abs defense. They've got arguably the best defenseman and the best pair, and it moves down nicely. We love Bo Byram. You talked about Eric Johnson, Josh Manson, uh, Samuel Girard. It's just, it's just special. The Penguins being yep. this theme of defense, like on paper, 87, 71, Jeff Carter, Ricard Raquel, who they added. You know, everyone loves the way they move up and down the lineup. Even you're forgetting though they've lost. about their third. You're forgetting about their second best forward because their second best forward is Jake Ensel. Yeah, I'm talking They're about better, strength down the middle. Strength yeah, down, the down the middle. I, I get you. Their second best forward is, is Gensel, and you didn't mention him. And you need to mention their second best forward before the other guys. <laughs> well, he's not a centerman, but I hear you, and I, I love Jake Gensel. Neither is Raquel. Well. What's that? <laughs> Neither is Raquel. No, but they they added Raquel. Like they they're going for it. They changed the blue line. They added Ruda. They added Petrie. Remember, Jari wasn't healthy last year. On paper, this team and at press time, we haven't seen them yet in the regular season. I wonder if we're forgetting about them with the Rangers and Carolina. I wonder um, how legitimate they are and how much we like the defense. I'm a Petrie guy. I think he just lost his way at the end of Montreal. The Petrie that we saw who helped Montreal get to the final, who was great in the, like that player, I still think has juice and gas in the tank. And I get what the Penguins did moving off Marino, adding Petrie. Latang came back. This is, they're very intriguing to me. And our theme on the show today seems to be the defense. Do you like their defense? Because I like this team on paper right now. And I like 59. Jake Gensel too, Craig. I liked their team last year. Obviously, we stood, you know, Jari was hurt. And then we had the Sidney Crosby uh, situation where he went out of the lineup, and, and that certainly hurt the, the Penguins. Uh, for me, it's real simple. Like, you know, th they made strong additions to their team. I thought they were a very good team this year. The Atlantic Division with Carolina, New York Rangers, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, I call it the group of death. I call it the group of death. Okay. You know, the World Cup's coming up in Qatar, and we all, we look at different groups, and you look at, you know, you know you, you think about Canada. They're in with Croatia and Belgium. Whoa, like, I mean, like, you know, hey, what could they do? But, I mean, we're talking. So, when you look at only one of those teams, 
Only one of those teams could come and play in the conference final. Those are three teams that I think are really, really strong uh, Stanley Cup contenders. Group of death. I like what Ron Hextall did. Petrie playing behind Latang. It helps Petrie. It takes pressure off Latang. Rutil fit in perfectly. And I think, you know, they, they were able to get all their players and they got a good team there. They got a good team in Pittsburgh and a hungry team. Time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the NHL, brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook 19 plus. Please gamble responsibly. Craig, let's make some money. Thursday, I'm going right to the island. Matt Barzell, I believe, will have a rebound season. New contract, more than capable. Take the over on points in this first game. Friday, Jets, Rangers. I think the Rangers are for real. I know it's a back-to-back on the road. I'm taking the Rangers over the Jets in Winnipeg. And Saturday, it, we get back to the post-playoff battle of Alberta, Calgary-Edmonton. I'm taking the Flames on the road versus the Oilers. I love it. I love it. But I'm going to go head-to-head with you. <laughs> Nazem Kadri scores against his old team on Thursday. Bet on it. On Friday, the Jets and Rick Bonus beat your New York Rangers head-to-head, playing some good defensive hockey. And on Saturday, an angry Ovi scores two against Montreal as Ovechkin gets closer to 800, Craig. You're setting the line at 1.5 and taking the over on Ovi. I like it. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. Log on to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod to sign up and deposit today. So much going on in the world of sports. Canada Sportsbook is Sports Interaction 19 plus. Please gamble responsibly. By the time we get to episode three, Mr. Craig Button will be doing his, well, his work. You got to see young kids. You got to get out there and watch them. You want to talk about them at draft time or as they progress into the NHL. At press time, we're down to two of the 2022s in the NHL, and they've each played their first game. Obviously, you're I Slavkovsky and Shane Wright. Slavkovsky, who I don't know what you thought in the preseason. If you can't look really good in the preseason against AHLers and some of your peers in the same age bracket, how are you going to be a star in the NHL? Hey, first overall, I get it. He played 10-34. Didn't really notice him in game one. Shane Wright at 6-14? Now, he can't go to the American League. Greg, is this nine and back to Kingston? Like, what is your philosophy when they're not McDavid, when they're not Gretzky, when they're not Lemieux, when they're, you know what I mean, like for Crosby? I just, I don't get it. Explain Lucy to the listening audience. I don't think any of these 2022s will do any of them. I know the Devils were teetering with their second overall pick. What's your philosophy with these kids? Well, I, I think the number one thing is, is that, you know, they're high draft picks for a reason, because they have lots of talent and lots of potential. That potential is not going to be realized as 18-year-olds, unless you're Crosby or McDavid, right? You're just simply not going to be. I mean, think about Leon Dreisaitl, who was the third overall pick in the draft, right? He went back to junior all the way through. <laughs> like he, he, like he, like he, and we're talking about one of the great players, one of the top players in the world right now, right? So, so, so number one, you, you know, just because you're the first overall pick, you know, every first overall pick is different. I said this last night. Guy Lafleur started his career with the Montreal Canadiens as the first overall pick. 
talk about passing the torch. It was Belleville to Lafleur, figuratively. <laughs> you know, Lafleur was coming off 130 goals in the Quebec League, 200 whatever, 70 points or whatever it was. 20 years of age, he struggled. If 20 goal scores struggle in the NHL, it wasn't until his fourth year that he that he broke out, right? So that's Guy Lafleur. And let me tell you, Slavkovsky and Wright, they're no Guy Lafleur. <laughs> so you know what? Temper expectations, number one. Number two, I think this is every bit as important. You want to continue to build the confidence of the players in, with respect to how they're going to progress and meet the projection that you see them as. The NHL will chew you up and spit you out like nothing. We've seen it time and time again. Players put into spots where they're not ready and they lose their confidence. And then they move further and further away from being able to do what they were drafted for. It's a fact. It's what ends up happening. The players get put in there. Yes, Yupuliar is a great example. Got put into Edmonton. It was a massive mistake. And he's not the only one. There's lots. Get him into a situation. And, and the American Hockey League necessarily isn't always necessarily that. You know, Slavkovsky didn't tear up the Finnish elite league. Like, Going back to Finland and playing in that league might be really good for in the Bills' offensive comment, uh, confidence. Simon Nemitz, I get it. The Slovak league might be not as good. You know, he might be at a different level. Shane Wright, if you're going to play six minutes, six minutes, you're going to fall back in your development. So that's the key word, key phrase, fall back. If he's not playing, get him back to junior. Look at what happened with Mason McTavish once he went back to junior last year. He went back, you know, he got the taste of the NHL, which I don't mind. I don't mind that, you know, let's see what you can do. Let's give you a little taste and you can take that experience and apply it back to, 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 to whatever level you go back to. But that's what I'd be doing. And now look at Mason McTavish, dominant year, dominant year. Now he's ready for the NHL. So Shane Wright, I, I have to believe the best thing for him, get right back to Kingston, get back to the OHL put up 100-whatever points, play on the World Junior team, in your peer group, do what Mason McDavish did. That's how I feel. Yeah, and I said it in the summer. I said it at the start of the year, and I'm saying it now as well. I I never would – he lost a year. He lost a year. I would give him that year back right now. And he can't go because of the CHL, NHL rules to the American Hockey League of – there's options for Slipkowski. You talk about Nemitz. It's it's different. It's just the American Hockey League never hurt anybody. It's it's there for development. People talk the talk of development, but if you don't walk the walk, it doesn't. It's not the same thing. Even one year makes a big difference. You talk about a draft when you're drafted at 20. That's two years. Like look at the 21 year olds now. People are talking about you know Nick Robertson. Well. Yeah, he's 21 now. He's 21 now. The, the greenness in the tomatoes turning red and red and red. Owen Power went back. Matty Beneers went back. You mentioned Mason McTavish went back. They all, they all, I mean, we haven't seen Owen Power at press time yet this year. We saw him last year. Matty Beneers, great start to the year. Mason McTavish was great with those two beautiful apples. Like he, and that's a year. Imagine two years to be able to take what does Steve Eisman do? How was he taught? Does he run young players? I just think that there's a difference between when you are ready or when you think you're ready and when you're not ready. And you're going to see Adam Fentilli. You're going to see all these 05s. Now it's going to be a great crop this year. If you're special, I get it. 
I don't want guys to be hurt the way we used to see guys getting rushed in the 80s at 18. And if if you wreck a guy or hurt a guy, like Bully Harvey might only flourish now somewhere else, Craig. I don't know. Like me, I don't know if it's too late or what you think about that. But I mean, this is a big story. We got a lot of great 2020, 2021s and 2022s. The 2022s are not ready yet. That's that's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. So do you think this is, I mean, at one game, what's Ron Francis, De- uh, Hackstall, what's Shane Wright and his agent thinking right now? Like, is this a fait accompli after six minutes and 14 seconds? I don't think so. I I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I don't, I, I think you, you, you had the discussion. I think Ron and Dave and the group had a discussion beforehand, but when the coach doesn't have confidence in playing a player, <laughs> it, you know, Marty, Marty St. Louis talked about Sadkowski. I want, he said, I want him to establish his game at five on five, get into a regular rhythm, right? You know, six minutes for Shane, right? He, he's a two-way player. He needs his offense. He needs his defense. But the coach tells you, I'm not sure. I, I, I might not have that confidence yet in him. And, and I think that that's a key. So you, you can't tell the coach, hey, play him. Like, you know, we need him to play 15 minutes. You can ask the coach, you see him getting into the 10 to 12 minute mark. And you have that honest conversation with the coach and the coach, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, you know, my comfort level. Matty Beniers was the second overall pick. He went back to college. He looks just fine. Kale McCarr, hey, oh, you got to get him out of college after his freshman year. Quinn Hughes, got to get him out of college. After his... No, you don't. They went back to, to, uh, uh, the NCAA, Kale won the uh, Hobie. Uh, Quinn was a was a runner up, a finalist. They come right into the NHL, ready, ready. We all knew they were good, but they came in ready. Kale and Quinn haven't looked back because they were ready, and they're never going to look back. What happens if they come in and they don't have that success that they experienced in their sophomore years in, in, in the NCAA? I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you know what? I, I'm not so sure that Yessi Pugliarvi isn't exactly what he was going to turn out to be. What I do know is at 18 and 19 years of age, he was as green as the grass. He had no opportunity to have any type of success doing anything in the NHL at that age because he wasn't ready. Get them ready. If you're going to talk the development talk, you got to walk the walk. And I'd love it that the, the stew is ready with Hughes and McCarr the right way. And we think with Beneers and Owen Power and what we're seeing with Mason McTavish. So that's clearly an early season storyline. Anything in this young season that we've seen, like you targeted Toronto and their blue line and Kyle Dubas is on the clock. Like he's got to improve the defense. He doesn't have to do it today. Um, but he knows that he has to do it. Anything with, I talked about Tampa. I'm a little worried about those other three defensemen. Anything you've seen from Vegas. Are you a Logan Thompson guy? One win or one loss does not a season make, but with your projections on certain teams or players and then what they've done, like Jack Eichel off to a good start. Mark Stone, boy, did did, did he need it? Did he feel it? Like That was a great game. Uh, I like what I saw in Gabe Velarde. I like what I saw in Quinton Byfield. From a King's perspective, yeah. like the Gabe Velarde's another one that they sl- slow play a man. It's okay. They were fast tracking him and then they started to slow play him. I like what how they handled that. But anything in there one weekend that has caught your early Craig Button, Spocky, and I? 
Okay, so so you you know you mentioned about Vegas and LA and that game the, the you know on opening night. Quentin Byfield looks ready. He, again, he looks ready now. He looks he looks like a player that's way more confident, handling the puck, making plays. And again, you have Kopitar and you have Deneau kind of sandwiching him. I, I think it's such a great spot for Quentin, and I think Quentin now has a really good understanding uh, of what the NHL is about. And I, I think he's ready to go. You know, I think it's going to be a a, a, a real maybe breakout is not the right word because because I think I think he really broke out last year, but I think he's going to really establish himself as a real good defenseman. Sean Dersey, Sean Dersey, and he's got Drew Doughty there. He's got Drew Doughty there to kind of you know be his governor. And when I say I'm, I'm using the, the the governor as to slow down your your speed, you know you can't you can only go so fast. And I think that's so fortunate for him. I love, I've talked about it. I love Bruce Cassidy going to Vegas. I, I just think it was a great hire. I love Bruce. I don't think he gets uh, enough uh, notoriety for being a top-notch coach in the league. And I think it's exactly what Vegas needs. And I think they're going to have a year. You asked me about Logan Thompson. Listen, you, you know what? He, here's the reality of the situation. Just go in and do what you can. Like we don't, I don't think the Vegas Golden Knights need spectacular goaltending. Just, just don't take us out of games. And I thought Logan did a really nice job. I was impressed with Seattle's pace in Game One versus Anaheim. I really was. I, I thought they played uh, that first period. It was like the Anaheim Ducks are going. Are we in the wrong league? Like, like what happened here? It was like they ended up on the autobahn. But then the young players and the skill that Anaheim has. Zegris, McTavish, Troy Terry. Oh boy, did they did they turn that thing around for the Anaheim Ducks? And John Gibson, he's a top goalie. He's another top goalie in the National Hockey League. And so, you know, those are just a couple of the things, a few of the things that have caught my eye early on. And you know, it's going to be a long year in Chicago. It's going to be a long, long year in Chicago. It's it, they're like they they're in top. Yeah. I actually wanted to end with that because it's sexy. So I'll, we'll pause that because we're almost at the end. I just wanted to tag and say, if Seattle and Anaheim are the 7-6, if San Jose is the 8th, I mean, if San Jose is the 8th, that's different than being the 8th that we think is Montreal, Arizona, and Chicago. Like, that's different. Like, you imagine being one above, you know, those teams – and you're Seattle and you're Anaheim, and you're like, are we the sixth and seventh best teams in this? That's pretty good for the league. If that's your six, seven, they gave us a great game. And yes. everyone that was signed or everyone who's an up-and-comer, Zegris, Terry, McTavish, Vetrano, Klingberg, like everyone produced, which makes everyone happy as far as a general manager is concerned. So I found that very, very interesting um, I thought also last night, Nate McKinnon was dancing the whole night. He was on for all five goals. He was actually in on four of them, but because we always rip someone for getting the third assist, which Bobby Orr and Duncan Keith and a lot of guys did because they started to play, but because there were two other touches, you know, they don't get an assist, but that, that you can't act like what McDavid or uh, McKinnon did on the one power play goal. He shut the whole play up. He just doesn't get an assist. I hope he stays healthy enough to get hundred points. Because if the first column is 82, I'll guarantee 100 points. Sometimes I get a little worried with him. But on the Chicago side, how does how does this play in the Windy City? Like, are they going to 
sell out? Are they going to play dun, 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 when they still score? Like, like no, they- no, no. Steve, 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 Steve. Chelsea Dagger's gone. Their new song is the is Burning Down the House by the Talking Heads. Oh. <laughs> You've been sitting on that one like a Aaron Judge curveball. Way. And good for you because you hit it out of the park. So are, are they Rahaki City again? Like are they gonna like are they gonna make it through burning down the house? I say part three. They did it once, got Taves and Kane, and they won three times. Then they were starting a burning down and realized we hired a terrible architect. Oh, we're going to redo it again. <laughs> bye-bye, Debrinket. Bye-bye, Doc. Kind of weird. But anyway, so what? Like, if you're 19 and 88, like, what's what's the end game here? You know? Another team come playoff time. They both control their destiny. Okay? They have full no-move clauses. Okay? They're in the last year of their contract. It's very clear what Chicago's doing. Okay? Good teams that are looking to add an elite player like Patrick Kane, because Patrick Kane's still an elite player. Jonathan Tay scoring uh, the first goal in that game versus Colorado. I thought he – like, he, he, he looked last year that he, that he had come back to, to a level. Listen, you get near the trade deadline, I'm phoning Kyle Davidson to talk about – if I'm the Colorado Avalanche, I'm phoning Kyle Davidson to find out what I got to do to get Jonathan Tays to come in and play behind Nate McKinnon. And – who wouldn't be interested in, in Patrick Kane? You know, there's any number of teams that would like to add that impact player. I, I, I don't, I, I do not believe that they will finish their year, uh, their season in, in Chicago, nor, nor do. And, and I don't want to suggest they're, they're wired to win. They want to be in, 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 in a situation where they can win and, and give themselves every chance to win. That's not turn your back on the Chicago Blackhawks. It's about reality. And, you know, and, and I think that they're two realistic people, but you go, you got to be absolutely interested. And they're not going to just some team because they control. They're going to look at it and go, we're going to a good team. We're going to a team that we want to go to. That's they've earned that. And they got that. As for the Chicago city of Chicago, it's a hockey city. It's just not a bad hockey team city. And it never will be a bad hockey team city. So until they become a good hockey team, they're not going to be there's not going to be patrons flowing through the turnstiles to come and watch the Blackhawks. Maybe in five years time when they become better, just like the previous iteration of, uh, you know, when when they became good, they'll fill the building. It'll be great. Not bad hockey team city. Well, it'll be intriguing to watch uh, how this plays out. And when we move down the road and 10.5 becomes 5.25 5.25 and everything like it's too much now and it's unrealistic now got to get to at least game 41 cut the contract in half then take half downward down to like and then if you go at 80 percent of the year 80 percent has gone i take half more teams could be in the mix or the price could go up even though really there's only two or three real teams like if it's Kane to the rangers tapes to the abs and i hope tapes is he looks good for game one. Like if he's got his energy and all that kind of stuff yep. uh, at the right price, I think this stuff can work out. I've had so much fun. This brings us. Well, hang on a second. Hang on. Right price. Right price. You know what the price is? There's a cost to trying to win. What's the right price, Steve? You know what? You're going to sit there on your hands and go, oh, was it the right price? I got a chance to add Jonathan Taze on the Colorado Avalanche and he shows me he's got game. I'm paying the price. 
Because I got McKinnon. You think McKinnon, oh, geez, yeah, I understand that we didn't add a player because the price wasn't right. You think McKinnon's going to be happy about that? Not a chance. And neither is Chris McFarland and Chris Drury. They're looking at it as, what do we got to do? I want to add one thing that you just said, and it reminds me of something. About third assists, and we want to diminish assists and second assists. And, you know, maybe there's a different way to describe things, play driving situations and everything. You remember the great running back, Ladanian Tomlinson? Yes. Played for the San Diego Chargers. He was a great running back. And he didn't celebrate when he got to the end zone. He used to take the ball and hand it to the official. And they asked him why one time. You know what he said? He said, by the time I get to the end zone, a lot of other people have done a great job, and I've benefited from it. That's a third assist. (laughs) That's a play driving uh, situation. And we don't respect that enough in hockey. Good. Thank you. You put an exclamation point beside my point, And I thank you for that because we're really trying to separate some things, forgetting that it's a team. It's a we. And sometimes like what Evander Kane did the other night, passing the puck to McDavid, that you know how many times Kane has benefited in his short time in Edmonton from 97 that favor will be reversed tenfold. You know that. That's a beautiful play. One question for you, Mr. Coolius. Did Connor McDavid appear surprised by the pass coming to him? I thought so. Me too. That's why I asked. Like, and like, how often is Connor McDavid surprised? But just a fantastic display of, of uh, contribution to something significant. A hat trick in the opening night for Connor McDavid. What, what a fantastic play by Evander Kane. Our final thoughts. I want to say I feel bad for Jake DeBrusque and for Patrick Laine getting hurt. Like Laine got hurt, missing Pesci. Oh, and he's so I, I hope it's it's not going to be serious. And I just want to go back to whatever happened and how it happened with Johnny Goodrow. And he makes a decision, the Islanders, the Flyers, and all that kind of stuff, and the Devils. And he's a blue jacket, but he's not getting 100 points. So you want to go on a sports interaction, make another, like, no way, no way, not just because he didn't get anything in game one. I said it before, say it again, nothing against him. He was in a beautiful spot and maybe the best line in hockey last year. This will be tough. This will be tough. And for those who think the Blue Jackets are that much better and things are going to change, they won't. They won't. They're not making the playoffs. Johnny's not getting to triple digits this year. I passed well, you, I, Mr. I Button. I'm not gonna. I, I'm gonna disagree with you. I and 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 I totally believe that. Listen, the Columbus Blue Jackets have some good young talent, but they're young. They're young. It's going to take a, a few years for them to uh, to progress. And but at, 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 at the end of it, recognize where you're at. They're excited about adding Johnny Goudreau, as they should be. You know, Patrick Laine signed long term, so they they have two really good offensive players. Let's see as as everything else goes. Let's see. The development of Cole Sillinger, still only 19 years of age, still only 19 years of age. And we know 19-year-olds don't drive your team. And, uh, you know, it takes time. You got you to gotta take, you, you know what, you, 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 you take the dough and you mix it all up. You turn the oven on and then you take that loaf and you put it in the bread, lo- bread pan and you put it in the oven. You take it out 20 minutes too soon, you don't got bread. You got, you got a little bit of cooked dough. If you, put it, if you put it in too long, it gets overcooked and burnt. You don't want to do that. But if you leave it in there for the right time, it rises. That's what you got to do with young players. 
I love it. Development was one of our themes in this show as GM's on the hot seat. They have to know when it's time for their team to rise and they need to make a move to be able to win something. If you're not ready yet, that's one thing. You're rebuilding, that's another. But being a GM and you know, Craig, you'll be on the hot seat and there's a time to act. And if you don't, then sometimes your team can't get to the promised land. A lot of fun, a lot of boxes checked. It's just a conversation. <laughs> when we're back, you'll tell us about Adam Fantilli, I think, and the top of the 2023 draft. We're always excited about that. For Bruce Bolton, our outstanding producer, Mr. Craig Button, safe travels. I'm Steve Coolius. Be good, be kind to one another, and enjoy the hockey, ladies and gentlemen. And no, thick and little, the sky isn't falling in the teams that lost game one. See ya.